Hey, Johnny, are you there? Hey, Johnny, are you there, buddy? Hey, I can't hear you, buddy. Is your audio on? I can't hear you now. Okay. Ah. Uh. Call me. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. All right. Uh, Johnny Roast Beef Williams is in the house with the. You said a funny thing about the technology that we didn't record, and you should say it again because that was hysterical. Ah, this I, I I still don't know how to do all of this stuff with the with the technology. I, I, I <laughs> like I'm on the computer, I'm on the phone. I have no idea what is working or what is not. Yeah, I get that. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for uh, you know talking with me for a half hour. I know you're busy, so I appreciate it, man. You got it. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you because. Uh, I know you from The Mask, which right. is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And I thought you had the funniest line with uh, The Loner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, Chuck Russell uh, directed us. It, it, it was I mean, it was one of the first CGI movies on a big scale of uh, uh, New Line Cinema. 
And they did such a job with uh, Jim Carrey, who was completely insane. I, I, I could tell you this. Yeah. Uh, after speaking to him for 30 or 40 seconds, you could see his eyes start to roll in a way that you know the man is not – he doesn't have all the marbles in the right basket. That's for sure. <laughs> I think all comedians – like, because Jim Carrey started as a stand-up, so I think all stand-up comedians are like that. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. It, it, but he was – you know – but it was great. It was great working with him. It was great working on that project. Um, Chuck Russell was funny. You know, when uh, he went up to meet me, um, uh, uh, Diane, uh, what was the name? Uh, the, the casting director, she, she's from Brooklyn. So she, she calls me, she's Johnny, you got to go up and meet Chuck Russell. Uh, you know, there's a great role in the movie. I want you to, you know, go up there. He, he already knows about you. I says, yeah, all right. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll meet him. And uh, Fern Champion, she's from Brooklyn. She's great, Fern. She's still she's my friend. Yeah. So I go up there and uh, he says, I want to put you on tape. And he never took the camera uh, lid off the, the lens. Right. And I'm, I'm watching this. And I said, I said, Chuck, you know what? Forget me being a, a, an actor in the movie. I want to be the cinematographer. I want to shoot the film like you're shooting right now. I said, what do you mean? I said, said you got the cover on the camera. He's <laughs> Fucking technology. Yeah. Fucking technology, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, because, like, you did Goodfellas, and obviously, you know, uh, that's the type of movie where you know it's going to be a hit even before filming it. You know what I mean? And I want to, I want to I ask know. you. You didn't it's know that? That, that, that doesn't, no. no. Oh. Well, I'll be honest with you. That that was my first movie. And I, I, I didn't know the magic that we were uh, creating on that film until after it came out. But I had nothing to compare it to. Right. Um, I worked at the same time I worked a day outside on uh, State of Grace uh, with Sean Penn and Gary Oldman. Uh, I worked for Phil Giovanni, and uh, that was Orion Studio. And they went, they went bankrupt just as the film was released, so it didn't get a widespread. Uh, now it's being recognized as a terrific film, which it was. Right. But um, I didn't really understand the magic. Uh, of Goodfellas. Uh, a matter of fact, the first time I uh, I was at the screening in a, a Rockefeller Center in a screen that was one third the size of your typical movie house screen, I uh, I didn't particularly care for it. I'll be honest with you. Really? When I saw it in the movie house, you know, I saw it at the, the at our premiere. Yeah. Oh man, I said, "Oh my god." <laughs> well, there's there's some there's some movies that are like that. Like cuz like I could watch a movie by itself and think, "Uh, it's not very good." But if I see it in a theater, like The Hangover, that's a perfect example. I saw it by myself, I was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's just a comedy, but I saw it in the theater then with like some friends and I was like, "Okay, this is actually really good." Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, you get to appreciate it on the, the big screen, you know? Yeah. 
So, okay, so you didn't know Goodfellas was going to be a hit, obviously, because it was your first film. Right. Okay. But if it wasn't your first film, you know, like, when you read scripts and stuff, like, can you tell which films are going to do well by the magic now that you have experience under that? Or was were you still figuring that out? No, nah, I was still figuring that out because um, it's so elusive to get such um, an impactful, energetic, crazy, every element of storytelling on the screen um, that Scorsese has as a director. He's terrific. And that genre, he is so good at. You know, he grew up in Little Italy in New York. He's so good at it that he brings a certain magic that sometimes it's very hard to capture. Yeah. And not too, not too many people stumble into something like that in Hollywood. It's almost by mistake sometimes they make a great hit. Uh, I mean, you know, if you look at the past films, they had, I mean... Uh, uh, they wanted Ronald Reagan to play Humphrey Bogart's part in Casablanca. Now, how could you think of Casablanca without Bogey, right? They wanted James Kahn to play the part of Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So when you think of what Hollywood does and then what develops as a result of the casting and, and the magic that they create, it really is something that's elusive. You can't put your finger on it and I, you could read all the scripts in the world. Yeah. Um, the magic happens as it happens. No, definitely. It also like, and, and I think you're right too, because like there's some people where like, for example, I write scripts and how I got trained to do it was like, I would think of my favorite actors and put them in the characters. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to say yes to the project, but it helps me write it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the visualization uh, will come to your to, to your imagination, to your creativity as you're writing the words. You want them spoken to by somebody that you would recognize that bring life to those words because words on a page mean absolutely zero. Yeah. But but in the context of uh, being presented by a performance. Uh, it's the same thing with stage play. Stage play, the words are very, very important, but they have to be presented. So a lot of uh, 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 screenwriters, they write action words, whereas a lot of playwrights write words that they want to be actor-proof. Yeah, because you know? in, a, in a play, the, the, the words mean everything. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I've written a couple plays that weren't good, but I, I enjoy scripts because, I, like I said, I, I like to, I like to visualize what you see them. Is. Yes, yeah. you see them. That's exactly, that's exactly. It's a image genre. It's it's all about images and action. The words are descriptive, so there's a lot of verbs. Is you know the. The adjective, you know, you don't have to describe a chair. They're going to see it. Yeah. 
Now, when, when you get a script, uh, because, you know, you have some stuff where you have like bit parts and then you have some stuff where you have big parts. Do you read through the entire script or just read or do you just uh, read your I, part? I, I would read the entire script. And and uh, whenever I'm reading uh, for the character that I'm going to play, I read the page of the script. I even read the dot after the page. That's how detailed I am. Right. Because I want to make sure that whatever was written, I will present it in my own individual creative way. But I, I, I want to see if I could get the gist of what the writer had in his mind. Like you say, you image, you have the images in your head. Right. So when a, uh, what happens is sometimes the director and the writer are on different pages. And yeah. now the they don't like to, each other very much. <laughs> yeah. Now the performance has to come in and you're in the middle of this tug of, tug of war, you know, <laughs> and I've had that. I mean, I've, I, 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 I've, I've, I've had to read for a character like one in particular time. I don't know, about 20 years ago, I, I had to read for a character that was this, uh, he sold swag in the streets of New York, the guy. Right. And, on the description, it had the opening when you when you first see him, the audience. They have he was overweight, so the bevel on the seat. He was on a director's chair, sitting outside an OTB. So now I'm I'm imaging just as the writer that you could see, you know, his his ass making the whole crease in the in the seat. Right, and and the camera is coming up from his feet up. And he's sunning himself in front of an OTB, and he's got three chins. So it, it, it's funny, you know. It, it, right. it's a, to me, it was funny. So, and I've lived that kind of life in New York with selling stuff off the street. So right. I brought that little comedic flair to the guy when I read for a twenty-nine-year-old director. So when. Uh, when I left the room, my agent called me and she said, Johnny, and great agent uh, 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 that I had, uh, he got the call from uh, the casting director, which is Jane Jenkins and Janet Hershenson. These are two top studio Hollywood direct, uh, uh, casting directors. Yeah. And, and so my agent said, Johnny, uh, Jane Jenkins called and said that uh, you were the only one that put a little bit of a comedic flair on the guy. And he says, I, I defended you because I know you're a New York guy and I know you know this character. I, says, I said, Tom, I did this. I used to sell, I used to go down to, to we called the Juke Town on Orchard Street and I used to buy clothes and sell it to all the wise guys in the neighborhood. And, you know, I used to make a wardrobe out of the deal. And I did right. this when I was 18, 19 years old. I had a Cadillac. I had the clothes all in the trunk of the car. I did this. I lived this life. I'm a New I'm born and raised in New York City. So he says, I know that. Well, I, I got you back in to read for the director again. I said, okay. So before I went in the room, I said to the director, I said, uh, his name was Michael Lehman, I think. I said, Michael, who is this character to you? And he yeah. turns around and he tells me, well, this guy, he can have your ankles broken. And in my head, I says, what? You know, are you kidding? 
This guy yeah. has got to be a likable guy if he's going to be selling one week air conditioners, the next week sweaters, the next week, you know, fans. You know. You gotta got to trust your like dealer. That. Yeah, but he's not a guy like that. He's not selling drugs. He's not selling <laughs> heroin, you know. So uh, I, I knew right away. I said, this is a 29-year-old kid that he has no clue of the reality of it. But I, I have to pass the test with him in order to get the, the job. So I went in and I took a little bit off the character, but I didn't sell out because I, I just can't. It, you know, the windup was they, uh, one of the money deals fell through with the film and they didn't do it for three years later. And they end up writing that the character of Max out, yeah. which was phenomenal because he was a great character. I had him all in my head of all the things I was going to do. I wouldn't do it at the audition because I'm not giving anything away either. Right, right. You know, now, what what's that like when when like uh, because I know that happens all the time. Like I've been cut of stuff too, and like I like the stuff I've done. I'm actually thankful I got cut. You know what I mean? But like this, yeah. but like what's that like? Where like you know you're just starting off, you know, and then like you say your first time you got cut, you're like, well, what's this about? You know what I mean? Like how well, I, really, I never that never happened to me. I never got cut out of a film. Oh, I thought you said you got cut out of this the, the story. No, I, I didn't get I didn't no, I didn't get I didn't get the role. Oh, the you project, didn't get the role. No. no, the project the project itself went on a on a delay and um the project itself went on a delay. What the hell happened to this And three years later, they rewrote the script. The whole character was written out. So oh, okay. I never I never went back in. But I never got cut out of a part in a movie. I, I don't care how small or how I never got cut out. Then I, I I misunderstood then. But. Yeah, I never got cut out of the film. No, I'm you know pretty good at that. I, you know, you know. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so like, what what's easier for you to do, comedy or drama? I I could do whatever they want to do, but comedy uh, it's I'm very strong in comedy, very strong. Yeah. But um. A lot of times they they cast me as you know the heavy the gangster and all that. It's fine, but uh, I'm a comedy is you know I have the timing and you know I'm just naturally comedic. I look at life in a comedic way, so that's yeah. who I am. Have you have you ever done stand up comedy? Because I I get a sense that you you've done something like that. I, I've never done stand up comedy. Uh, as far as planning to do it and writing a stand-up act. Yeah. But uh, when I first got to Hollywood uh, 30 years ago, I was friends with a lot of comedians, and I used to go over to the comedy store and hang out with them. They were all manic depressors, by the way, every one of them. Yeah. They were ready for suicide. And I would go there with my crazy personality, and they, uh, Mitzi, rest of Rest, rest in peace. She had the comedy store and she met me and she told the uh, the MC to have me go up and do three minutes. Three minutes of what? I have no idea. I don't have an act. So I went up there and I did three minutes of that day of all the aggravation I went through between the traffic and then them calling me to go. And I'm new in L.A. and I threw the book away to Thomas. I, I don't know. Whatever I did, the people were roaring. Yeah. 
So all the uh, the stand up comics were so mad at me for being good because you are a natural stand up comic. <laughs> but see, you're a you're a natural, like you're naturally funny. So like that's 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 good because I do stand up, and I actually I think I'm great at it, but I'm a terrible actor. Yeah, but you know, uh, it's funny uh, that the, you um, you match the two. But the truth is, a great comedian could be a great actor. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying, like, there, there's the stereotype where uh, comedians are terrible actors, but on the flip side, you know, comedians are actually good actors. Like Jim Carrey, for example, funny, funny comic, but he's actually a very good actor if you saw, like, Spotless Mind or right. The Truman Show. Right. You know, well, what I mean? I'll, like, give you, I'll give you one. Yeah, he was called the greatest. Oh, think about that, John Cusack. No, <laughs> he was called the greatest. Jackie Gleason. Oh, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, yeah. The great one. The great one. The great one. <laughs> he was terrific as an actor. Yeah. Terrific Minnesota fats, and yet. He was a funny, funny, funny guy. And he could do a show. He could do a stand-up. He could do 18 different characters. Yeah. So comedians can twist that and turn that page into dramatic actors. It, 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 isn't, it isn't such a, uh, if, you know, it's, it's not such a great deal. But a dramatic actor... Can't turn it. Can't, to do, the can't do. Can't do stand up comic. Oh no! Comic. Yeah, not at all. I uh, I uh, I opened up for Jeremy Piven once, and uh, you know I think he was a little upset because I was good and he wasn't that great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but uh, I I think he's a fantastic actor. Comic yeah. wise, I think he's terrible. Oh, I never saw his <laughs> comedy routine, but. No, but like I like I, I have a huge obsession with uh, John Cusack. So I do all these John Cusack jokes and then I go off stage and he comes up to me. He's like, I didn't like the John Cusack jokes because like, I guess. Yeah. they're. <laughs> Sorry, Listen, no. you know, in my opinion, in this life, if you take yourself too seriously, you're failing, you're dead, you're <laughs> dead in the water. You should put your head in the nearest oven and make sure it's gas. Because if it's electric, you're only going to singe your eyebrows. <laughs> Some people do need to singe their eyebrows, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would be an improvement. Those are the same people that were wearing the masks in the car by themselves. They don't even want to look at themselves in the mirror. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all up for, like, you know... Uh, being being safe with the mask or whatever to respect society, but I agree with you. Driving in a car when you're by yourself, like, not going to make it. Sorry, <laughs> just not going to happen. Yeah, I was just like, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll no. wear a mask at a grocery store and respect my people or whatever. But now when I'm driving to the grocery store, <laughs> not going to happen. Oh man! Now I wanted to ask you. So, good, if Goodfellas was your first role, 
how how intimidating was it to be around uh, De Niro and Pesci and all that? Well, to be honest with you, I don't get intimidated with anything. I'm too okay. I'm too nuts to, to to be intimidated. I grew up in East Harlem, New York. Uh, Ten years old, you went out to play a little stoop ball, and there was chances are you weren't going to return home. So yeah. intimidation is not part of that equation. I hate to say it. Ah, it's the I same like thing that, with though. the virus. When they told you with the virus, stay home and lock your doors, that wasn't going to happen because I'm not going to be intimidated by something I can't see. Right, yeah. Okay, well, so how was it, like, working with them then? You know, like, oh, great. It was great. The, 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 the one good thing that I learned in the 30-something years in, in uh, show business is that the... The higher the quality of people in the business that you work with, the easier it is because they have so much um, confidence in what they do that they bring that same feeling to whatever scenes they're working with and whoever's in those scenes. They want the fellow performer to excel. Yeah, like they are. They want that performance. They're not, you know, the, the worst thing to do is when you go in a room and you know that the person that you're going to be, you know, interacting with doesn't have the confidence that they are good. They just feel like they got lucky. And a lot of them did just get lucky. So when they come up with a real, you know, a real talent, it gets intimidating to them. Right. Now, yeah. I don't get intimidated, not because I think I'm, you know, the greatest, uh, you know, actor in the world, but I know that what I do is entertaining and, and it's interesting. So if the other person on the screen can't be in the same ballpark, that's not my problem. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not looking to upstage anybody. All I'm looking to do is do the job. Yeah. I, I, I interviewed Larry Hankin a couple years ago and uh, he was telling me how he auditioned for Home Alone and I guess Joe Pesci was at the, the read through and he's like, because he, he was auditioning for the other robber, you know, the one Daniel Stern played. And he said that, like, I like Larry, he's a, he's a good friend of mine, but he's like this, he's like, but Joe Pesci couldn't keep up with me, so they hired Daniel Stern. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it's so funny that he knew he was he couldn't keep up with Joe Pesci, but he turned it around. And I thought that that was just really funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, things like that do happen too. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, you remember the movie Analyze This? Yeah, Billy Crystal. Okay, I was the first one to get the script for the role of Jelly. Okay. Uh, and I know, I knew Ellen Chenoweth, and I knew De Niro. And what happened was, when Billy and De Niro um, chose to play the roles the way they did, uh, in a buffoonish, comedic type of of um, uh, choice, that left me out in the cold. And right. So they hired. They hired Joe Vitarelli, which was a great casting job because Vitarelli, he passed away too, rest in peace. Joe Vitarelli, when you see him, you want to hide your children. 
Right. You, you see me, the people want to bring their kids and say, say hello to the guy. You know, yeah. You know? They so, want to give yeah, you a so, hug. Yeah. <laughs> so I understood. I was disappointed. But I understood what happened there. Yeah. So these things creatively, they work in your favor, and then sometimes they work against you. So, well, speaking of uh, Billy Crystal, you worked with him on Forget Paris. Yes, which, he directed me. Yeah. So, like, what was, what was that like? Because I, my favorite type of comedy is romantic comedy, and I I thought Forget Paris was one of the best romantic comedies ever. Yeah. Yeah, it was a well-written, well-written uh, script. Yeah, yeah, Billy, Billy's good. Billy knows what he's doing. He's good. I knew, I knew Billy before that, and um, you know, he let me work. I did, you know, I did ten different choices on on that conversation that I had with the cast there when they were asking about, uh, and uh, he ended up choosing the one that I improv. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> That's the one he got. That was good. Yeah, and it, it's so interesting that that movie was about the NBA because you did another movie about the NBA called Eddie, which was yeah. just as funny. Oh, that was crazy! That was we shot that in uh, Charlotte. Uh, at the time, the Hornets were in Charlotte. They used the uh, the Charlotte Coliseum for Madison Square Garden. That's what oh, they did, did they? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I was down there for a couple of weeks, and that was a Disney film. Uh, Rash, uh, Steve Rash. Steve Rash was the director. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, you know, like you were kind of like her her sidekick in the stands type of thing. Yeah. Like, how how nutty was that? Yeah, that was it was good. Well, she said you're funny. She told me. I said, well, that's why I'm, I'm here. <laughs> said, that's why I'm here. Yeah. You know? But like Whoopi's another good example of someone who's funny who's actually a great actress. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And absolutely. Like, oh my God. And then I want I wanted to ask you about uh honeymoon in Vegas. Hey. Yeah. I had fun. I had fun doing that, boy. <laughs> uh, three months, three months working for Castle Rock. It was the greatest. I lived in Vegas for a month. I was losing my shirt. I was so far in advance of my pay that they were going, you're going to owe us money for doing this movie. Yes, as I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Jimmy Jimmy was great because Jimmy's a great actor. Rest in peace. He's my friend. He was my friend. And he, he, he uh, I mean, we had so much fun together. You know, we had a chemistry before that yeah. expressed itself. And then I worked with... Um, uh, Billy Freakin', you know, who was lifetime achievement DP. I mean, he was so, and I, and again, I'm, I'm doing the business. That was my third film. What do I know what I'm doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I know. Uh, I'm yeah. And I would tell him, hey, Billy, listen, I got brand new shoes. I don't know where I'm going to land. Johnny, I got you covered. And he would, I mean, he was so great. I mean, he never had an ego. He never had, you know, and he would say, Johnny, you could do anything you want between that chair and that bar stool. After that, you'll be out of touch. I, okay, Billy. You know, I mean, just, just, I worked with great people. These, these are people, Lifetime Achievement Award. These are people that were terrific. I mean, how, how fortunate was I? I right. I, 
know, I, I, I always look up and I say, wow, the stars are lined up for me. I, I, it was terrific, terrific. Yeah, and but see, like, I feel like when you work with people, it also improves how you, you act and how you do your thing. You know what I mean? Because you always take everything like an energy or something and you're like, okay, this is good. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is an energy that's there. And, and, and when you're gelling, you know, it all works. It yeah. all works. Things come and then things come out of you creatively that you didn't even realize you didn't know you were going to do that. But at the moment, that's what happened. And yeah. it, it, you know, I like the, the part where I dipped the, the bread in the sauce. That wasn't in the script. But I saw the bread, I saw the sauce, I stopped and I dipped. And, I, and it was hysterical. It was a funny little a bit that I did, you know. Yeah. How, well, how was the sauce? The horrible. It was horrible. The same thing with the hot dogs in the Green Book. They were horrible. We were down in New Orleans when we shot that. I, I would have brought my own hot dogs. I would have made them myself. And I, I would, you know. <laughs> Now, have you ever worked with someone that you didn't gel with? And I mean, you don't have to say names, but do you have a story of where you didn't gel with? Yeah, them there, 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 there was, there was. I did a, a guest star on a, on a uh, on a show, and I had to do uh, one of the scenes was with the with another guest star, young girl, maybe early twenties, maybe twenty, twenty one years old, and. She had to slap me in the scene. So I wanted to choreograph it with her. So I said, look, I said, I'm going to give you the line the exact same way. When you hear me, I'm going to repeat the word really. You know, I'm really, really sorry, your dad. I'm really, really sorry. On the second really, that's when you could go. Right. So let's rehearse it. So she rehearsed it one time. And then she wanted to go run and have coffee with one of the regulars on the show instead of hanging and working on our little action that we had to do. The same, yeah. So it ticked me off a little bit, and I said, well, maybe she's got it. You know, I gave it a benefit of the doubt. When we came back from the break, we're doing the scene, and I give it a line. Really, really. And nothing happens. So now I continue, and boom, out of the blue, she gongs me in the back of the year with the slap because I, I didn't know when it was coming. Right. And I, I got like this ring in my ear. So when the director cut, I said to her, I said, listen, you, you hit me like that again, I'm going to knock you out right here. You understand? <laughs> she starts crying. <laughs> crying. Right. And she runs to one of the, the, the stars of the show who happens to be a friend of mine. Right. So she, she complains to him that, that I made her cry. So he comes, he goes, beef, what happened? I said, what happened? You better keep her away from me because I'm going to knock her out. I said, she wanted to go run and have coffee instead of working on a scene. And she gave me an, I, I'm still hearing the gong from the slap. He's, okay, okay. So, so she thought she was going to get some help in that direction. She, she got it. The director came over to me. He says, Johnny, I'm so glad you yelled at her. She's been a pain in the ass the entire week that she's been on the show. So, okay. 
Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, it happens. You know, it does state happen. Of grace, yeah. In State of Grace, Gary Oldman hit me below my pads. Now, they, they offered the stuntman for me. But, right. of course, I didn't have any film on myself. I said, no, no, I'll do the stunt. Don't worry. I'm good. I'm good, you know. So they padded me up. And when Gary kicked me, he kicked me below the pad. So that hurt a little bit. So when we took a break after that scene, I was by the fence by uh, 10th, uh, by, uh, 11th Avenue by the Intrepid looking at the Hudson River. And Gary came over to me and he says, Johnny, I'm sorry. I said, listen, just get away from me for now. Because right now, I want to kick you in your ass just the way you kicked me. Really? And what a gentleman he was. He was, he was really apologetic, you know? Yeah. So then when we went back, I picked up my shirt and I said, Gary, here's where the pads are. You could go to work on it every way you want to do it. Right there is no problem. He said, all right, Johnny, you know. and But at least we worked on it, you know? Yeah. And uh, it happens, you know, it happens. Yeah. But, it, uh, it would be it would be funny if, like, you know, someone pisses you off, you just say, listen, let's just call it a day and start fresh tomorrow. <laughs> no, I can't do that. I don't have the power to do that. The director has to say that. I don't have the power to do that. Uh, that's always, like, my favorite, like, I don't know. Whenever people piss me off, I just say, listen, uh, let's just not talk the rest of the day. Start fresh tomorrow. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I, I haven't been. At, well, I was in that position one time with uh, with a movie I did in uh, in Atlantic City. And I got pissed off uh, at the production. And I told the, the producer, I said, listen. I'm going home. I don't feel like acting today. So what? Yeah. I said, well, my agent just called me. They told me that my guarantees weren't signed and I, I can't work like that. I mean, I've been here, right? I, I missed a day. I did two weeks of rehearsal. We did this, that. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. And he walked away and he got on his cell phone, you know? Yeah. So I, I pulled a little bit of a diva thing. I'm not like that, but. No, no. I had, no I had sometimes to though you have, you have to like, you have to stand your ground on certain things. You know what I mean? Well, that, yeah, that, that's that's actually the way I felt uh, very strongly about that. So straightened it right out. We yeah. had no problem. Because, like, I, I do – I don't know if I told you, but I do stand-up. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a headliner. Like, I can't do 45 minutes to an hour every night. I could do it every now and then, but I, I can't do it, you know, multiple sets in a night. You know, I, right. I, I'm comfortable with the 20, 30 minute slot. And I remember one time they wanted me to do an hour on a late show right? because the, the head guy who, who headlined the first show, he was sick or whatever. And I was like, I want more money if I'm doing that because this crowd sucks. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, like you gotta stand your ground on that. So, where did the the nickname roast beef come from? Because that seems to be something that's followed you in this this career path. Yeah, well, I, I was Johnny Roast Beef from the neighborhood because I had uh, two delis in Manhattan. So, nice in my neighborhood, everybody's named after their father, their uncle, their grandfather. So, 
there's always has to be a distinction. And that's why the nicknames come up. Right. There's always a nickname to kind of distinguish you from your father, from your brother, or, you know, from your, your uncle. Because everybody, Italians, they named their children after them. And then their grandfather's named the same name. So you got Nick, Nick, and Nick. Who Nick? Yeah. You understand? So, you know. No, I get it. Fellows, Peter and Mary, and Marie, Peter, Paul, Marie, they're all the same. Yeah. It, it's like uh, a guy ha has a Nick, Nick, and Nick, like you said. But one guy says his name is spelled N-I-K, not N-I-C-K. So it's right. Nick. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it's still Nick. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what what's the what's a what's a big positive thing you go to whenever you get a job? Like, what what do you look forward to when you when you film something, or even if you're doing a stage play? Like, what's the thing you look forward to? Well, it, you know, uh, a play. Uh, I I I bring to a play a lot of my life's experiences in the character. Um, I, I, I look to give the character a lot of depth, where he came from, where he's going, what he thinks about himself, what he thinks about the other characters in such a unique and individual way because I had such a rich life to draw from. Right. This, this type of, uh, 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 of experience in life to make it authentic and real on that stage. And the people I feel have a much, uh, a much more tangible connection with the character that they get lost in it. And that's what the magic is, is that the people are watching and believing what you're presenting. And that's the authenticity that comes through. Now in a film, that authenticity has to come through the camera, which is a machine. It's not a person. Right. So the, the director has to get that performance when he's filming you. So there's a lot of interpretations in between the actual performance and the finished product. So these are things that you have to work on. Um, I feel in a film, um, I try to have a relationship with my co-stars or my my fellow actors in the scene before we even go on camera, so that we're coming. There's from more chemistry. Base. Yeah. Yes, we're coming from a base of reality, of authenticity. How I feel about them as an individual that I could draw upon that when I do the scene, that could come through for the camera to capture. Because the cam camera will capture any lie you have. It's going to capture that lie. Yeah. Anything fake, anything not real, it's going to capture. So uh, to work on that, you know, you have to work with your fellow actors. And sometimes in a film where I'm doing a week or a couple of days or two weeks, and I have to interact with the star of the film who's on camera 45 minutes to an hour of the film, who, who's the whole film hinges upon the performance. Sometimes it's not as easy to do what I do um, to get that interchanging 
action before yeah. we work. So sometimes you have to trick a performance out of them. You know, you, you kind of, you know, you do well, something in rehearsal that you never did. And when the camera rolls, you do something opposite and it shakes them into, uh, into the performance. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. You got to have like chemistry with, with your co-stars in the scene, because if you don't have chemistry, the, it's just not going to work. You could film it a thousand times, but it's just not going to come out smooth. I mean, I, I did this movie called uh, Magic 8 or something like that. And it was about, it was a romantic comedy where uh, the guy talks to a girl and he gets people to fall in love with him or whatever. And then I played the best friend. So the power went to me. So at the end, I talked to a girl and she falls in love with me and we kiss, right? And I just had no chemistry with this girl whatsoever where the kissing scene was awkward and stuff. And then it made me think the entire movie must have been very awkward. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll tell you something else. I'll give you an example. I did a movie called Skateboard Kids. Right. And I played, I played a tow truck driver that was towing uh, the father of these two young children, towing his car away. So I'm, I got the tow truck. I made my beard grow like a real overgrowth. I put black on my teeth. I was chewing on a chomping on a cigar. And I had this like, you know, and the kids, they were trying to talk to me on the set. And I, 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 I made them overhear me telling another actor, I hate working with kids. I like to boil them in oil. And the kids heard it. They ran away from me. So that's the trick I used to get them not to like me. Right. So that when we're doing the scene, that would carry into the scene. Yeah. So, of course, <laughs> when the scene came, and get away, get away from that car. You know, I had this ugly face on me and and the kids were like so frightened that they came to get away I said get away I'm dirty you're gonna listen to me or do I have to get ugly and the, and the little girl goes that already happened so, you know she had a good line <laughs> and 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 then when we finished I went over to the kids and say great job they were still frightened you know <laughs> And, and, and oh, oh, and then and then then all of a sudden, their whole you could see that they they ease themselves right up. But that's the, the little trick that I have, um, that I use. Don't ask me how I know that, but I right. know, I know to do that, and I do it with adult actors too. I do it with the, you know one guy. He was so bad, and he was the star of the. I did a movie of the week. He was so bad. He was starting out at 100 miles an hour. And every time we rehearsed, I said, boy, this guy is really over the top. But I, I couldn't tell him anything. This guy's the star. So during the rehearsal, I was doing it one way. I was doing the line one way. I was giving him the line. And, ah, ah, and he's yelling and screaming. So when we went to shoot it in the camera, instead of giving him that line, I gave the line to the other guy playing uh, uh, my brother uh, playing his brother, oh. and 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 so it was like when a father yells at a kid and the kid's not paying attention, then he yells louder. So right. when he he yelled, it worked because he was so over the top that when I gave the line to the other guy, 
He went like, I'm, I'm like, are you listening to me? Which great. Now, Johnny, I want to respect your time, but I do have two more questions for you. Uh, question number one, uh, what's one type of movie that you haven't done that like you wish you could do or that you want would like to do in your lifetime? I, I got to be honest with you. I, 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 I have done uh, a little of everything. And uh, I just want to do quality work. I don't have anything that would stand out uh, to answer that question honestly that I haven't done. I, I've done, you know, um, I, I just like quality work. You know, the guy next door, the, the uncle that the girl hasn't seen. Uh, I'd love to play a grandfather. Uh that maybe, you know, uh, there's a little difficulty, almost like when uh, uh, nothing in common, like Jackie Gleason and Tom Hanks, a role like that. Right. Um, because I, I, I could really, really get into something like that. Yeah. What if you played the grandfather, right? Because I'm just thinking of a good character that could, we could, you know, because I'm writing a movie in our head for us, you know what I mean? And uh, you you said you wanted to be a grandfather, so you could be a grandfather. But what if you're the type of grandfather that just like is so funny that he doesn't talk, like he just walks around and it's just hilarious because the energy is there. You know, that's funny. That's funny. (laughs) Funny. Like he walks around with a cup of coffee. He's just drinking it. Like, like. Yeah, you can make it happen. You can make it happen. Despite sometimes a look will tell a whole story. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, have you ever done a western though? Because like I think you would be great at that. No, I've never done a western. Um, yeah, I did. I played a cowboy in a commercial, but <laughs> it was comedy, of course, for Minute Maid, and and the gist of it was like the guy, the Minute Maid guy was supposed to be an orange and he was in the audition he was worried about playing an orange and i'm dressed up like a cowboy and he said well look at me i'm a nice cowboy don't you get it partner you know it was funny because you you see me dressed as a cowboy you're not buying that you know i would buy it i would think you're a great cowboy funny funny <laughs> i'll let you grow the beard and you could like be the sheriff you know what i mean yeah, yeah. well can't give me a horse because the horse union will quit. <laughs> and now my last question for you is, uh, Johnny Roast Beef Williams, if you could go in a time machine and go back in time and talk to a younger Johnny Roast Beef Williams, it could be from yesterday, could be from 20 years ago, what would you tell him that you know now to, to say, hey, it's going to be okay? Uh well, I, I I would love to talk to uh, to Jackie Gleason. Yeah. Um, real New York guy. A lot of things that we both have in common. The way we were brought up, and um, I just would love to hear his take on where the turning point came in his life um, to go into 
the arts to be a yeah. performer. Okay, but what would you what would you say to yourself though, like the younger Johnny Rose Beef Williams? Oh, <laughs> I've I've been talking to myself forever. I even talk to myself <laughs> now. That's the, 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 uh, I, I, I just don't believe the stuff that's that 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 happens every day. I look forward to every day because it's another mystery that is going to unfold for me. I, I, I mean, you know. I, it's it's almost it's almost a, it's almost I'm so boring that that I entertain myself. Oh, I don't think you're boring. I think you're great. No, I thought you were going to say, "Oh, I'd go back three weeks ago and I'd tell myself not to do this podcast." <laughs> no, no, no. I was looking forward to it. I, I think you, I think you're a very talented interviewer, uh, and I and I could see you could be a stand up, be a good stand up comic. Oh, well, and thank you. Take, and you take your work seriously. That, that that's great. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah. Listen, I was just I making like, a joke like to make you laugh. That if there's one thing here that we did in in this crazy, you want to call it nonsense, it's fine. But if there's one thing here that you got out of this, that's one more thing that I did as an artist that I shared with you, which is my responsibility, that that having the talent is not the point. The yeah. point is sharing the talent and yeah. being able to share it with people that you can actually help, even though you don't know you're helping them. No, that that's 100% that's true. That's why I have a podcast, because there's... I feel I help people with stand up because for you know 15, 20 minutes I take away their problems. But with the podcast, if I tell jokes and interview people and find out their stories and like I know I made you smile today. So yes. like you know what I mean? I, I know for for that instance I made your life better in that moment. So like Absolutely. that's that's the power of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And you know, the sense of power that you're speaking of at this point, at this moment, I get that when I do stage. Yeah. The people listen, they watch, and you could hear them react. And that is powerful. That is very powerful. Well, when let me they know. laugh, when they cry, when they sigh, that is powerful powerful stuff well well email me next time you're doing something on the stage i'll come support you okay i'll buy a ticket and support my good pal johnny roast beef williams <laughs> uh where can the folks at home follow and support you at johnny .com. uh i have a, a little line of t-shirts with my picture and my signature i have hats so if they want to shop on there, that would be great. And um, I also uh, have a pilot for a sitcom. I have a trailer. It's called Mama, M-A-M-A, and A-N-D, son.com. And they could view a little two-minute trailer uh, based on a restaurant that uh, I kind of grew up in in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um and it's very funny. And I'm trying to I'm trying to sell that right now. Um, and 
they might get entertained with that. All right. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for talking to me today. It was the highlight of my day, and I, I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thank you for All having me. I appreciate you. All right. Well, have a great day, buddy, and, and uh, I'll, I'll see you when you do something on stage. I'll be there with flowers and everything. Thank you. All Stay right. well. Bye. Bye, Johnny. Have a great day, buddy. Stay well. All right. All right, guys. That was my interview with Johnny Rosebeef Williams. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, review and uh, support Johnny. And we'll see you guys next week. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash KeithRaza.com and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash KeithRaza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.